couldn't have asked for a better lead-in this morning. As we talk this morning, as I go on the next stage, the next passage that I was trying to tie in, I was going to talk to you about self-control and what a song to lead into that. Our society, our, our country, let's face it, everything that's put out there talks about what do we look like, what are we um, part of, or what is it that you have to be like. And so this morning as we get ready to get started, put your heads and close your eyes with me. Dearly Father, I come to you so humbled, so thankful for the opportunity again this morning. I pray that you would calm our hearts. Uh, I know there's been a, a good week so far at camp. I thank you for the fun that these young people have had. I pray that you would just help them. Right now, Lord, set aside everything else that they may be thinking about. Maybe the fact that they get to go out to the lake today, Lord, and have some fun. Maybe for some of the, the counselors and others, Lord, just a, a time of relaxation, a time of fellowship with their um, cabin. pray that you would just strengthen us right now, Lord. Help us to see who you are, and as was mentioned in the song, that you are indescribable. You are an amazing God. So many times we take that for granted, and we forget the fact that you have created us all unique. And today as we look at this issue of self-control, I pray that you would just bless us. In Christ's holy and precious name, amen. Well, as I thought about self-control, I was trying to come up with something to get this started with and get you to think about self-control. And so is there anyone out there that says, Scott, I've got, I've got a, a lot of self-control. Would you raise your hand up? I've got a lot of self-control. Anybody? Come here. She's like, oh, and the rest of you are like, mm, I'm not going there. Think you can hold this piece of gum? Oops, I'm throwing it at you. Can you put this on your tongue and hold it there while I speak without chewing it? Try it. Open it up. I'm going to let you go have a seat back there and just stick it on your tongue and I don't want you to chew it at all, okay? As you think of self-control, I'm going to put her back there and we'll see. Some of you, I know it's going to be the temptation. I'll be turning around looking to see if she's chewing. If I see her chew, I'll tell you. I promise. As I think about self-control and I think about where we're at today, today your verse back there, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, I mentioned part of this verse yesterday when I was talking to you. I told you that Satan is doing what? Come on, wake up. I know you're tired. Some of you look like it's been a long week. It's just Wednesday. What's Satan doing? He's doing bad things, but he's walking around doing what? He's tempting, he's deceiving, he's trying to actually walk around to see whom he can devour. Which one of you in this room are, is, is he after, are some of his um, angels after? And so I want you to understand something. The angels, uh, the fallen angels are out there right now, and I know that sometimes they can, they affect us. They get us to the point where someone's watching us and say, oh, I thought they said they were Christian. He's not even paying attention. He could care less. He doesn't even do the things that he says he should. Maybe when it comes to devotions, I've watched the Bible's there. He's really not participating. I'm going to tell you, people are watching. My six-year-old and seven-year-old, the one thing I have found, I tell you, they pay attention to the teens in our school. Uh, they could tell you just about every player that's on my soccer team. Uh, they can tell you about half the team, their numbers. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a six- and a seven-year-old who watched. I only had about 16 games this year and then the tournament. And so they watched probably about half of those games, but yet they knew the players, they knew certain players' numbers, uh, and they were all about knowing what these players were like. 
my daughter's even, we've got a playground back behind our soccer field, and there was two different times when I was just letting the team have it after a game. We had won, but when we won, it was just something about it. We struggled through the whole game. And so after the game, I was letting the team have it. And I, I didn't even pay attention, but Michaela and Jocelyn were back there playing on the swing set and the slide, and there's a climbing wall and all this back there. And after we, I got home, Michaela goes, Daddy, you were really rough on your team. And I was like, I wasn't that bad. She goes, well, you even told them you apologized that you were fussing at them, but the, they needed to wake up. And she said, do you really think they were sleeping while they were playing soccer, Daddy? I was like, Mac, I didn't mean they were really sleeping, but they really weren't at giving everything they had. Because let's face it, after the game, they looked like they hadn't really played the game of soccer. They didn't look tired. And so I think it was that game that I actually had them doing some push-ups and some sit-ups after the game over in the corner. I had one parent afterwards say, did they really need that? I said, oh, yeah, they needed that uh, to put them in their place. Because at that point, we had still had an undefeated season. We were going really well. God bless you. And so I have to tell you, I look at it from the point of knowing what self-control is, and sometimes as Christians we struggle with this issue. And so this morning as I talk to you, self-control is where I'm headed. How many of you would like it if your parents just quit telling you what to do? i got the answer for you today. At the end of this, I'm going to explain to you. Your parents will quit telling you what to do if you'll just follow what these principles I'm going to give you today. And you say, oh, come on, I promise you. If you follow these principles, your parents are going to be in shock. They'll quit giving you some of the rules that they've got out there because they're going to see a couple of these principles in your life. And those principles are going to actually help you with this issue of self-control. And so as I think of self-control, what are some things in your own lives that you've had to deal with as far as self-control? Let's face it. Some of you at school, the issue, the temptations out there about alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's tobacco. Maybe it's um, pornography. Uh, I know it's there in the middle schools. Uh, cell phones, the pictures, the stuff that happens. Even in our Christian school, I see it in the middle school. And so I can tell you, it is out there. And my question to you is, what is it that you need self-control from? Maybe it's the computer. Maybe when mom and dad aren't home, you're on the computer and, you're, and they let you on there without them knowing about it. Uh, that's the one thing that you as a Christian, you've got to help yourself. Where's that self-control in your life? And so how do we gain that? And so I'm going to look at a couple different passages this morning. The first thing that I think of was self-control. Self-control requires self-denial. That doesn't mean that you can't have something. It's just like this young lady here. She's got that piece of gum on her mouth. So far, I don't think she's chewed it. She's sitting there, and it's on her tongue. But I can tell you, the taste of it, what's it wanting to do in her mind? Chew me. That piece of gum's talking to her right now. Go ahead. Bite down on it. I know it tastes good. The temptation's there. Let's face it. Some of you in this room, there are temptations you struggle with at home when parents aren't around or your friends aren't around or your Christian friends that help you stay accountable. Because I'm going to tell you, if you don't have somebody that you're accountable to, shame on you. As a Christian, you need someone to hold you accountable. Yes, God is important. God can give you all kinds of self-control, but find a fellow Christian. A fellow young lady, if you're a lady, it can be a guy, but I'm going to tell you, sometimes the temptation tends to be if you do it cross um, guy-girl relationships, it can actually lead into some things if you're not careful. I'm going to say, find an accountability partner, someone who's going to challenge you. Hey, have you read your Bible today? Hey, what's going on this week? Why are you so grumpy? Why are you so, you ever see those, those commercials? My, my dad and my mom, they like to mess around. And my dad has this little joke that he says, hey, I came to church this morning, but I didn't wake up grumpy. And he wasn't talking about he didn't wake up himself grumpy. He means he let my mom sleep in the bed. 
Um, and so some of you get that later. Some of you look at me, mm, I don't think that's dumb. Trust me, I, I got it the first time he told it, and I thought that's just really ignorant. But I know what he was getting across. Sometimes we do. We look at each other, and, man, we're grumpy. My wife, there's times she's got to look at me, and she's smacking me upside my bald head and say, Scott, what's going on? Why are you like this? And there's sometimes I've had students, I've had players, uh, David's sister, her, his, one of his older sisters, I can tell you there were times probably about a year ago, I can remember walking down the hall, she looked at me and she said, Coach, there's something going on. And she didn't know. A lot of it had to do with what I've told you about with my daughter, Michaela. I was really stressed. I was really burdened at that point because we had taken her to the children's hospital in Knoxville and had been two or three times by this point. And the neurologist really couldn't tell us what was going on. And so I was like, God, I know you're in control. I know that you have this for a purpose, but can't you just tell us what this is? Tell us what's going on with my daughter, because that way as a parent, I'll be able to work through it. I'll be able to go. I wish I could tell you I had self-control. One of the things that I lacked was self-control about a year, year and a half ago. David may remember this. I wear contacts. If I take my contacts out, you would be a blur. I'm sorry. I'd probably trip over you if I wasn't paying attention. And so everything out there, I mean, I've got to have contacts in her. It's just a blur. Well, after my daughter, we started taking a neurologist. They listed about four things. They listed epilepsy. They listed Tourette's. They listed um, some kind of seizure syndrome and something else. And so I'm on the computer researching, printing off page after page after page. I mean, i got a stack of papers about this big, if you go look in our, in our study in, at home, that I have printed off about all these different syndromes and epilepsy and Tourette's. And so I was printing this stuff off. Why? I was wanting to know what to do for my daughter. Hey, is it really this? Is it that? And so I printed all this stuff off. And you know what eventually happened? I was staying up till 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. And then I'd have to get up at 6.30 to go to school and do my schoolwork and teach and be ready to, as the athletic director and taking calls and changing schedules and dealing with this person, dealing with a grumpy parent. Man, coaching would be great if you didn't have to deal with the parents. Sorry, I'm kidding. Um, but I can tell you it's one of those that as a Christian, I did something. I spent so much time consumed with my daughter and what was going on. Was I giving God the time he needed? No. You know what he did? I got an eye infection. I don't think it just happened. I don't think it was just coincidence. God gave me an eye infection. I take my contacts out. The glasses I had were about seven years old because I just we hadn't been to the eye doctor. just felt like it was one of those I didn't really need it. Couldn't really afford it at the time and thought, let's just not worry about it. And so I hadn't been to the eye doctor. My glasses were so bad that probably I could see you, but you're a little fuzzy, and it wasn't quite clear. And so I had these glasses on. I was trying to go to school and trying to drive. Something came out in front of me. I almost didn't see it. It was a dog on the way to school one morning. I said, that's enough. i got to go to the eye doctor. Come to find out, actually, the doctor I went to was David's stepdad. And so, God, you got an eye infection. It took almost a month and a half of eye drops. I couldn't wear contacts. I had this nasty eye infection in both eyes. I mean, I could pull strings of mucus and junk out of my eyes that were like this long. Nasty. I know you just ate eggs and bacon and biscuits and uh, gravy. So anyway, I'm pulling this stuff out of my eyes. I'm pulling this stuff out of my eyes. I just can't figure it out. So I finally go to his dad. And as I'm there and we're going through, he says, you can't wear your contacts. I said, how long? I don't know. We'll see what happens. So I don't wear my contacts. Going through this, still had the contacts I had. He said, there's something you're just not seeing real clear out of me. You need to go get tested and have them check your contacts. Well, I go through all this, and after about six weeks, I realized, because with my glasses, I couldn't sit at the computer and type because I could hardly see the computer. It was so fuzzy. You know what God was doing? 
quit reading. Quit doing this stuff. I'm in control, not you. And so I wish I could tell you and look you in the face and say, I'm a, a, an example of self-control. There's times I'm not. You can look at me and tell I'm not an example of self-control when it comes to eating. Um, that's one of those I struggle with. Uh, I can remember, I, right now, if you look at me, my doctor tells me I need to lose 100 pounds. 100 pounds? I was like, are you kidding? When I got married, we, I weighed 160-some pounds. Right now, I told you I weigh about 280. She said, you need to lose 100 pounds. You're obese. I was like, there's no way. I lose 100 pounds. I'm back to a size like 28 waist. And she goes, probably. That's what you need. And I was like, okay. So I have to tell you, I have been struggling with this for the last six months. I thought I'd start a month, six months ago and start losing some weight. At my heaviest, I was 300, so I've lost a little bit, but I'm just inching slowly, and it's been a struggle. And I can tell you, part of that, it's self-control on my part. Part of it, I have to say, okay, enough is enough. And so the last few months, I've really buckled down and really been pretty serious about this. And I'm going to tell you, Lord willing, by this time next year, I'm going to have lost, I'm not saying 100 pounds, there's no way, um, but I'm going to lose some more weight. Why? Self-control requires self-denial. Take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16. I told you, by the end of this week, you're going to know more about me than you've ever planned on knowing. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. I'll give you just a second. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. When I listen to what Christ was telling the disciples, he wasn't physically telling you to go pick up a log and carry it with him down the road. What he's trying to get you to understand as a Christian, take up your cross, understand that you're going to have to deny yourself with some things. The world wants you to believe as Christians there's no fun out there. Is that true? I watched some of you as, as you were saying, some of you being a little goofy, a little ignorant. Okay, I'm sorry. But some of you, when it was singing, they were up here singing those songs, some of you, you were taking it so serious, you were having a good time. Uh, for some of them, the counselors, some of the young people in here I'm seeing, they're raising their hand. Nothing wrong with that. Sometimes the world makes us out. You raise your hand, there's something stupid about you while they're singing. But I'm going to tell you, some of you, you're praising God. You're saying, hey, man, God's out there. He is awesome. You know, the Bible tells us to lift up holy hands to God. That's what he wants. He wants us to praise him, to bring honor and glory to him. Because you know, Scripture says, if we don't praise God, does it, what does it say he's going to cry out and, and praise him? The rocks are going to cry out. Eventually, at the end of time, we know that the rocks and the trees and all those things out there, they're going to cry out and praise God because Scripture tells us in the book of Revelation at the end times that there's going to be people begging to die, and they can't. And so it's very interesting. You read through Scripture, there are some awesome things in Scripture, but until you dig in and want that relationship with God, it's not going to happen. And so that's my first point. Self-control requires self-denial. As I look at my own life, I have struggled. I can tell you, as a 14-year-old, my parents, actually, I think, yeah, 14-year-old, my parents put me on a diet. I've struggled with my weight my whole life. I played basketball in high school, and that helped me keep my weight down. But you know what? As a 14-year-old, my mom looked at me. She needed a diet, too. And so she said, son, we're going to go on a diet together. First one to lose 30 pounds, we're going to take the other one out to eat. I was like, how is that helping the diet? You're going to take each other out to eat, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy the biggest, fattest, juiciest steak I can. I said, okay. So we had a race, and over a three-month time span, I beat her. I, I lost 32, 33 pounds. I was like, yeah. So she took me out to eat, which I wanted to go to Olive Garden. Yes, they had Olive Garden back then. But anyway, we go to Olive Garden, 
And so I get this nice big plate of pasta, and actually instead of a steak, I decide I wanted some uh, chicken, uh, chicken alfredo. So I'm out there eating a big plate of pasta, and I'm halfway through. I couldn't even finish it because what had I done for the last three months? I'd lost weight, and my stomach had started to shrink, which was a good thing. I didn't need to eat all that pasta. And so I can tell you, it was at that point in my life I started paying attention to some things. And so, like I said, when I got married at the age of 21, I was 167 pounds, and that was it. Sopping wet, 28 waist, 36 length jeans. And so I can tell you, life, I look at it, life sometimes you learn about self-control. I know I have self-control in some other areas, but when it comes to eating, man, you put a plate of biscuits in front of me, mm. If I had been up there, y'all wouldn't have had any biscuits and gravy this morning. It would have been gone. But I can tell you, self-control requires self-denial. Second thing, turn in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians, a few more books in the Old and the New Testament. On Acts and Romans, and then you should find 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, I want you to turn to chapter 7. The verse I'm going to use, it really, this passage ties in with marriage. But I want you to see something about self-control in here that they're talking to the married couples. You chewed that gum yet? Good. She's got some serious self-control. Self-control in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. And I'm going to look at basically the second part of this verse, but I'm going to read the whole verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. The one thing I want you to see about this verse, right in the middle of this verse, the passage is actually talking to married couples and telling them, hey, don't separate yourselves from each other. And if you have to, make sure that you all are actually in agreement about doing it. Hey, we're going we're gonna to go apart, we're going to talk for a while, and really go to God about prayer and fasting about some problems within the marriage itself. And you know what? Here's what I want you to see. I'm not worried about marriage, but what I'm worried about is what we as Christians struggle with. What I want you to see is that as Christians, we struggle with the same issue just like a married couple does. And the struggle is this. We have to have self-control to resist temptation. Self-control is important because without it, you can't resist the temptation. You can't resist biting down on that piece of gum. Or somebody's put a plate of chocolate chip cookies nice and warm with a glass of milk on it. Mm. I don't know about you, but somebody put some chocolate chip cookies on the counter, and there's milk, you know, in the fridge, or there's milk sitting on the counter. It's hard for me to go buy them cookies. And mm. My wife was making cookies for our Bible school this week. Monday morning, after I finish here, I go home, and there's chocolate chip cookies sitting on this rack. Cool. I walk in the kitchen. Mmm. Smell them cookies. I walk by, grab one, and just as I put it up to my mouth, guess who comes in the kitchen door? My wife. I shove the whole thing in my mouth. I go to the refrigerator, pull out the milk, open the cabinet, put down a cup, and pour the milk. I didn't think she saw me. I'm drinking this milk, trying to wash that cookie down, and it's stuck in my throat. She goes, how was that cookie? Good. She goes, you could have just bitten it instead of shoving it in your mouth. I knew you were going to eat one. I said, yeah, I hear you. And so if I had just bitten it and put it down, she'd be like, what are you doing with that cookie? And so I shoved it all in. I was caught red-handed. We've all done it. I mean, we've all been there when it comes to self-control. Somebody sees it, and you're like, oh, I didn't do that. No. And I knew, honestly, we've been talking with my daughters about teaching them to be honest at all points. And so the first thing when she asked me about that cookie, I was saying, I didn't taste the cookie. What? But I couldn't because I knew I was lying to her. So I was honest with her. Yeah, I ate that cookie. She goes, you can have another one. I made a few extra. And so I look at this. 
The second thing I tell you, self-control is necessary to resist temptation. The third thing, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. I know I got you turning, but I've got two other points I want to get to, and we're going to go fast on these so I can get you out of here. Galatians chapter 5. If you found Philippians, go back a couple books. You just went just a little too far. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. As you think about this, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. When I see this as far as the, the fruit of the Spirit, you say, wait a minute, I didn't see it anywhere in here. Look at the word long-suffering. When you see someone that's long-suffering, hey, they're willing to step out. Someone who is patient. Someone who is meek. Someone who's kind. These are all people who, when you come down to it, they are showing self-control. Because it's hard sometimes to be kind to people, isn't it? It's hard sometimes to be humble or to be, you know what, yeah, I played on this team. I can remember in high school, my junior year in high school, I was playing basketball in Beckley, West Virginia. Me and this guy, Ryan Fitzwater, I can remember he played for the school out of Raynell, Raynell Christian Academy. He was about 6'3", I was about 6'4". I had him by a little bit, but this kid and I, we had been playing against each other since ninth grade. Well, my team had beat him twice during the regular season, and so we were now 24-0 in the state tournament. And here we are in the middle of the state tournament, blizzard coming down because it's West Virginia. It was awesome. We were playing at uh, Mercer, uh, is it Mercer College there outside of uh, Bluefield. And so there was a Christian college there. We were playing at college. And while we were playing, here I am. We're all cocky and arrogant because we beat this team twice in the regular season. We're undefeated. Everybody talked, oh, this team's going to win the state tournament. And then me and another guy on our team, we just started. You could tell there was just something off that day. We were just, we were out of it. Our minds, I think we just, we thought we had this game instead of playing to the best. We were just kind of, this is no big deal. We get beat by this team lose the state championship game to a team we'd already beat twice in the regular season. And you know what? As I look back and I watched some different things that transpired throughout the game, the reason was simply this. We had no self-control. We walked out on that court and we thought the game was ours. But this other team, they came ready to beat us. They said, hey, they beat us twice. We can take them. And so sure enough, they let us have it. And so this third point, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. These fruits of the Spirit, God has given us so that, hey, this is what you're after. I look at the Christians in this room. Are you exhibiting these to your friends? Are you exhibiting these fruits of the Spirit to those around you in this room? What about today? You're out of the lake. Somebody accidentally kicks you or does something or splashes you with some water. You get cold. You mean grumpy and irritable? Who do you think you are? Why are you messing with me? Some of you, you're going to have some big-time attitudes. And the temptation is to not show self-control. Say, so you know what? It's just water. It's just this. Now, turn with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I can tell you all are a little tired, a little out there, so bear with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Go back a couple chapters in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Look at verse 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You know, the fourth thing, self-control is a sign of maturity. I look in this room. Any y'all walk around and talk baby talk? Sometimes. <laughs> Some of you in the baby. My daughter, Jocelyn, I call her little Joe. She has this guy in her class, and I don't know. David probably knows who I'm talking about. He is a board member's son. 
And this little guy, I guess he just thinks he's going to marry my daughter. I've got sad news for him. He's not good enough to marry my daughter. Um, no, I'm just kidding. He is. But it's one of those, it's like, it's way too early. You're, you know, this kindergarten this past year, okay? She's going into first grade. We're not talking about marriage. And so him and the couple other boys in his class, they fight over my daughter, okay? I know she's beautiful, okay? I understand that. She's got curly hair. She, we keep it cut short because she likes the curls. And so sometimes she'll wear it in a ponytail. Y'all ever remember watching the Flintstones and remember um, Pebbles and she had that little ponytail? My daughter's hair kind of does like that because it curls out and it, anyway. But when she pulls it up, but it's so curly. Believe it or not, guess where she got that curly hair from? Uh, yeah. You're like, come on, Scott, you're bald. I promise. If I let this grow, i got a nice blonde curly afro. It looks cute. Um, except there's no hair here. I look like a Chia pet. I already told you. So, Jocelyn's hair looks, I mean, it's, it's just cute. I don't know what to say about it. We don't do anything special to it. I don't have this, you know, pretty curly gel curl stuff we put in it to make it perfect or anything. She just looks cute. And so, she sometimes she has a tendency when when the boys start kind of I don't know what you call it they're five years old but they're kind of flirting and they're kind of you know picking at each other and fussing about her. Jocelyn starts talking like a baby and I'm like, girl, that doesn't bring the guys to you. That's like pushing the guys away from you. I'm like, good, keep talking like a baby. Um, and so anyway, Jocelyn has a tendency to do some stupid things like that. I'm like, Joe, what are you doing? She goes, Daddy, I'm just and for whatever reason she I can tell what it is. She's nervous because these are all three her buds. And then they start fighting over who's going to play with Jocelyn today. And she can't stand it. She's like, Daddy, they fight over me, and I just walk away. I said, good. I said, they don't ever touch you, do they? She goes, no. She goes, one boy did say he was going to kiss me. I said, if he kisses you, right in the face. And so, I'm going to have two of the meanest, roughest girls, I promise. But they're going to know a lot about um, cars. They're going to know a lot about how to do different things. So I love to work with my hands. I like to work with wood. And yeah, they're going to know how to beat up their guys. I'm just going to tell you. Um, my two daughters, they will wrestle me and they want to hurt me. I mean, I'll be walking through the house and Jocelyn, she'll just come up and I'm not even paying attention. I'll walk around the corner and she's right in the gut and I'm like, I'm like, Jocelyn, she goes, got you, Dad. I'm like, um, I can tell you that honestly, I look at her and I want her to realize I'm not teaching her to go out and punch people, okay? I promise. She knows in the house it's one thing. And I don't really seriously tell her to go out and like beat guys up. But I'm going to tell you, if a guy does touch her, I've already told her. I said, you may get in trouble at school and that's fine. We'll deal with that. I said, but if a guy ever touches you, you have every right, ladies, to smack him. I'm sorry. Some of you, you allow the guys to be way too familiar with you, ladies. Gentlemen. You get what you re what you treat these ladies like. If you treat these ladies with respect, you will get a, a wonderful young woman. You treat them without respect, I'm going to tell you, you get what you're after. And ladies, it's the same with you. And so here's what I want you to understand. Self-control, what is it? It's a sign of maturity. Some of you in this room, you don't have that sign of maturity. I don't have it at times. And so I look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. Man, my daughter, I'm like, grow up. You're five, you're six. Don't talk like a baby. Some of you in this room, you want your parents to quit telling you what to do? Grow up. Be responsible. Your parents tell you to be home by 11, be home by 10.30. But Scott, what's there to do after 10 o'clock? Let's face it. 
What's there to do out there after 11? It gets dark. I'm going to tell you, Uncle Paul said this at the beginning of the week. It gets dark outside. Let's face it. Most of the things you're doing after 10 o'clock, you don't need to be doing. You know, there's some times that maybe a church youth group or a, uh, there's something that's got something going on at night. I understand that. But I also know this as Christians. You want your parents to quit telling you what to do? They shouldn't have to tell you to clean your room. They shouldn't have to tell you, oh, go in there and whatever it is. Help with the dishes. And if you started washing dishes once a week, twice a week, you know what your parents are going to do? Who is this child? Who abducted my child and gave me an alien? Because they're going to look at you. Why are you washing dishes? And someone may tell you to stop because you're not doing it good enough. Make sure you wash them and do it good enough, okay? Um, Self-control is a sign of maturity. And then my last point, turn with me to 1 Corinthians, just back a few chapters, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Self-control is a sign of maturity. And then the last thing I want you to see, self-control requires strict training. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I want to read to you about three verses, starting in verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. Know ye not that, the, that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run not as uncertainly, so I fight not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I look at it in this sense, and I'm, I'm going to finish up with a couple little thoughts. As a Christian, how do you get to where you want to be? You have to bring your body under subjection. You know my soccer players? The one thing that I will tell you, and my, my players may tell you this, I don't know how David feels. I know this year there were some, some little things there in my team, but I will say this. The one thing I tell them, you've got to make sure that you are yourself. You've got to be winded. I play the game of soccer. It's not like basketball. Basketball, I'm sorry. I'm not picking for basketball players. I played basketball. I played soccer in high school. And so I like them both. Basketball, you can run up and down the court, but when you're down on defense, you get a chance to what? Rest. Football. Come on, guys. You go in there and you play, what, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, and have a play, and then what happens? Part of them come out. You can get a breath on the sideline. Soccer, they play for 40 minutes, and usually they're running up and down the field, and there's not a rest. And so it's a whole different game. And I'm not saying soccer players are better. What I'm trying to get you to understand, there's a difference. Football players, you want what? You want big brute guys. You want them to be able to hit somebody and hurt them. And it's tough. Sometimes tough because as Christians, I'm not supposed to hurt somebody. But I saw a guy's shirt. I think he was sitting in the back the other day, and he said uh, the shirt was by a quote by Patton said, um, "Oh, I just lost it. Something about granting my enemies." Um, oh, who is it? I know you've got. What was the shirt? Give me this. I know what it was. I hope God has mercy on my enemies because I won't. Yeah, I hope God has mercy on my enemies because I won't. Play football? Figured. Uh, it was one of those, when I saw the shirt, I was like, that's a football player's shirt because I know our football coach at school, the one thing he tells the players, he says, listen, you've got to understand, to be a Christian and play the game of football, you want to knock that player on his backside and you want to just demolish him, but do it with all kindness as a Christian, I'm thinking. How do you do that as a Christian, you know? <laughs> God loves you, punk. <laughs> uh, I 
just don't see that, but I also know as a Christian, it's tough because you have to show that, that mercy, that kindness. And a football player, sometimes you're wanting to stomp them as hard as you can. Don't get back up. Come on, I dare you, you little pissy. Oh, I'm not supposed to trash talk. That's one of those that as a Christian, we have a tendency, don't we, to get wrapped up sometimes. And responsibility is something that shows self-control. If you're responsible as an athlete, my soccer players, the one thing I asked them to do, and I told them I'd be able to tell, and I tell you, I could tell in my players. I ask them every week besides practice to give me at least two miles outside of practice. What? Really, it should be four. I can tell you, they should be running four miles a week outside of practice. And so this next year, it's going to be three miles. The year after that, I'm working up to it because my first year was a mile. And so I've been, or well, not my first year. The first year I tried this with the team, it was a mile. And then the last two years, it's been two miles. Now next year, it's going to be three miles. You say, Why? Because they have to have their lungs ready. They have to be ready to run up and down the field. If you've watched any bit of soccer, I'm not picking, but whether it's offense, whether it's the defense, the midfielders, they've got to be ready to run. And they're usually they're cross-country runners is what they are. Their body makeup, you don't see most soccer players weighing 280 pounds, six foot one, and they're out there in the field lumbering around like a football player. Sorry, they're usually faster, and I'm not picking on football players. Some football players do play soccer. Some basketball players play soccer. But I also know a true soccer player, you look, they're usually just like a cross-country runner. And so what am I trying to get out of my soccer players? It's their core. They've got to have adepts. They've got to be able to run, and they've got to have lungs. And so it's one of those, you put any player, and I know you're looking at me, i got abs. It's under there. There's a keg on top, but there's some abs there. Um, and so I look at it, it's from, it's from Dunkin' Donuts, okay? Um, that's my self-control issue, no. As we close this morning, I want you to think about this. Self-control. We've talked all week. I've given you some thoughts. This is really towards Christians. Those in this room, if you're not a Christian, you're going to be looking at Christians saying, they can't have fun. All it is is a list of rules. You know what? When you're doing what God wants, you're not worried about the things that you're not supposed to do. And so before I close, did you chew your gum? Melted. Melted's good. You can chew it now. Come here. No, it's melted all over my mouth. It is. I'll let you go back there and spit it out. There you go. Thank you. Give her a hand. I think about this, as I think about self-control, here's what I want you to finish with. Today I, I was going over this because our first lesson, I don't know if you remember, was the squeeze of sin. What does sin do for you? The second thing I mentioned to you was strength to be yourself. How is it that you are yourself? Are you focused on God and what God wants? And then last night we talked about God's love. Today I'm talking to you about control this afternoon. I'm going to talk to you a little more about Satan and some issues with struggling through sin. And so as I thought about struggling with sin and Satan and him going around like a lion, that's why I talk to you about self-control. You know what? You don't have to worry about Satan if you're controlling yourself. You say, Scott, in the, at the beginning you said something about my parents, that my parents wouldn't have to, to give me all these rules and set up all this stuff. Here's why they won't have to give you the rules. If you show, show self-control, you come home early when you're supposed to be. You are cleaning your room. You're washing dishes. You're helping around the house. Let me just tell you, you're showing responsibility. Will your parents have to control you as much? No. I can say I watch young people. The young people who are responsible, the young people who show self-control, 
Their parents don't have anywhere near the amount of rules set on them as what some of you do. Some of you, the rules you have set on you, it's because of the lack of maturity in your life. And so I'm just going to tell you, if your parents have some serious rules against you, you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to create a responsible young person. Hey, if you chose some responsibility around here, I wouldn't have to do this. They're exactly right. God, your boss, my boss, believe it or not, I've got my, one of my bosses, actually both of them at the church, is my dad. At my school where I teach, it's my stepmom. So i got enough, man. i got both of them. It's awful. It's like I'm at home again. And so I'm going to tell you, there are some rules they give me, but there's some they don't because they know that I don't have to worry about that. And so I have to tell you, the rules that are given to us by our bosses, you're going to be with rules until the day you die. Um, even if you own your own business, because guess what? You've got to pay your taxes to the government or else the government's coming after you. And so it's one of those, as a Christian, pay attention. If you are responsible, people are going to say, hey, I don't have to give them as many rules. Pay attention to what's going on around you. Show that self-control. Bow your heads, close your eyes. How many you say, Scott, again, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just, this, guys, I do this so I know how to pray for some of you, and I know where I'm going to go next because I'm concerned. Am I reaching anybody? Is there anybody that's really thinking through what's going on? Somebody say, Scott, pray for me. This issue of self-control really hits me today. Will you pray for me? Slip your hand up, put it down. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you so thankful. I look at these young people, Lord, and some of them I can tell the different struggles they're having, the things we've talked, talked so far about this week through your word. I thank you for the truth you have given us, as they've mentioned in the songs this morning and so far this week. The truth is there, Lord, about sin. The truth is there about our strength, and our strength comes from you. The truth is there about your love. And then even today, Lord, as we talk about self-control, I pray that you be with these young people even today, those who are struggling with self-control, whatever the areas may be, that they will stop, they will resist, they will show self-denial in their lives, Lord. They will actually focus on you and showing the fruit of the Spirit to others around them. That that will then in turn show a sign of maturity, and that maturity will lead to uh, living the life that you want for us. Bless us now in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen.